This is the last coffee house. This is election day 2020. What are we doing finally? Going to find out whether we all died in December 2019. I feel like a fever is going to break here. <laughs> it's going to break one way or the other and uh, I'm not sure what the future looks like. So we were going to talk about the future of America. Now obviously we've read a lot of books this year so far. One of the major ones we read was Ben Shapiro's How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. I wish he would have titled it something a little more uplifting, but the book itself actually did have a lot of uplifting points. And I really think that we need to kind of focus more on the positive. Now as a confirmed unapologetic cynic who is now apologizing for it, it can be difficult to do. Um, with our evolutionary history, we generally will have to be more aware of the negative. But I think it's really something that we're collectively capable of, but at least something that we individually should be doing anyway. We really need to stop pretending that we didn't accomplish something incredible with this country. It's really easy to overlook, and obviously we have a chorus right now on one side that is emotionally screeching at anybody who tries to say anything positive about where we are, how we got here, and what this country is. But it's actually really easy to look at the several thousand years prior to <laughs> the founding of this country and what those looked like and all of the Enlightenment ideas and ideals that got baked into the American souffle, <laughs> I want to say. I don't know how to make a souffle. I have no idea. <laughs> so I'm just saying that there's just this perfect convergence at that time that we were able to start a new country after the Enlightenment and really base it on all of those amazing ideas that were coming out of it. Now, that's not a huge slight, honestly. It's not a huge slight to religion in general. That's something that I might have attacked more harshly historically. But religions had their, had their purpose and their place for an extended period of time, and they were kind of the, the first substrate to be able to get us to function as a community and have some kind of a leash on all of our worst intentions. All that was, was important, and I don't want this to sound like a concession to Ben Shapiro's arguments when it comes to America being a Judeo-Christian country and all that stuff. I, I don't want to concede on that at this point, but I'm still going to acknowledge, you know, the importance that religion played. But once, so once we had a good millennia of, a couple millennia of religious authoritarianism, then we, we get to build a whole new country. Whatever the moral and human cost, the value that came out of that was infinitely more important. When we got to base the economy on market economics, we got to work out the corruption issues, even though obviously we still have them. But to a massive extent, we got to work those things out. All the opaque corruption that we saw historically through antiquity and all that. We got to work through that and figure out ways that we had this shared standard and these shared mechanisms that try to iron out all the worst things about us. You know, we get to carry on the legacy of the ancient Greeks. We get to pull stuff from the Enlightenment. We get to imbue that with a frontier spirit and with this new world. <laughs> this country is a historical miracle and something that spawned this incredible development of these ideas in countries all over the world. And just going forward, I think we really need to talk about how we do better now, how we get to somewhere even better than where we are. And we have to reinstitute these three vital pillars when it comes to what America is and what a country should be. So individual rights, these are things that are being attacked all over the place right now. And the idea of having individual rights that are completely inviolable and that no American is willing to give an inch on, we should have such an incredible commitment to the idea of individual rights and the individual rights that have been enshrined in our Constitution 
Every single one of us, all 320 whatever million of us should have that absolute commitment to that. And once that is, that's established, that's the foundation, then you can argue over whatever you want to argue about. You can call whoever you want to call, whatever you want to call them. But individual rights should be an unequivocal given. And everybody should be able to agree that the government is your defender. It's not your plunderer. It defends these individual rights. It doesn't go and take from other people for your or some collective or individual group benefits. So that's number one, is individual rights. That's something that we should all be absolutely wedded to. That really is the machine of how this country functions, is that everybody gets to have their own motivation and drive, their own wins and losses, and we're not going to shove you into a group and say you have to be something because of your membership in that group. The second pillar, meritocracy. <laughs> so important. We should have a staunch commitment to this idea because it's also under attack. It's one of those things that has been associated by our African-American Museum of History in the United States, in D.C. It was associated with whiteness, which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Meritocracy should always be the goal. It should always 100% be the goal. It is best for everybody that we're not paying attention to things that don't have substantial significance. So things like race or gender or national origin, whatever. It's best for everybody that we get the best person for the best job in every case. And that should be the line. That should be what everybody is saying on all sides, is that no, it's, it's meritocracy 100%. It's not because we see a difference in outcome, because it's all Asians who end up at Harvard, that we could say that there must be something wrong with the meritocracy. No, you have the burden of proof here. If it ends up all Asians, they, they most likely have the most merit. So it's your burden of proof to show that it's something, <laughs> it's something unjust that is causing that disparity. There's a cost to that. There's a cost that people who lack merit are going to be excluded or lost. They're not going to get what everybody else gets. Now, obviously, we can have, in the vein of most developed nations, we can have some kind of a bottom support system, and obviously we do in the United States, and Nordic countries do. But still, rhetorically, phenomenologically, <laughs> epistemologically, in every way, we should be committed to the idea of all we want to do is find out who has the, who has the most merit for this particular position and just stop paying attention to whatever else is going on. So that's the second one, meritocracy, extremely important. And three, third pillar of the American dream. And even saying the phrase, it's so sad that it's been tinged with this anachronistic stain. There's just something about even the phrase now. It's so sad that it has kind of this negative connotation now. But what it really provides, and what it provides to Americans in general, is the idea of meaning. And this is something that is being lost nowadays. We have suicides on the rise dramatically. We have depression on the rise. We have we read that book by Abigail Schreier. It was Irreversible Damage that talked about how transgenderism is, is becoming infectious when it comes to young girls. And deaths of despair related to drugs, you know, opiate abuse, all that sort of thing is dramatically on the rise when we're more prosperous, at least prior to the pandemic, and even get, getting back to that point, more prosperous than we've ever been. And the reason is we don't have that structure, that meaning that helps us decide where we're going to go. And that's the thing, because industry and hard work isn't really about success. It isn't about getting to that other side. It's about having something on the horizon that you're looking at and having a reason to head in a direction. So the, the family, the healthy family, the picket fence, these aren't oppressive 
tracks forcing you down this one path, they make sure that you see the sights and have a destination. It's really important psychologically for people to have some kind of an idea, you know, even if they choose a different path, even if they want to do a different thing. It's really important to broadly amongst the 300 and something million people for them to have that kind of comfort of a path that makes sense. And I know for men now, men now growing up, I, I can only imagine, you know, when I was a kid, things were relatively clear. You know, I just needed to work hard, get a job, meet someone I really cared about and take care of that person and stick with family no matter what, all that all that sort of thing. Young people today, who who knows what they're supposed to be doing? I mean, all of the traditional things you're supposed to be inclined to do are attacked, just broadly attacked as wrong somehow, or products of the patriarchy. And so there's this dissonance where they have this nice idea of what the country used to be and what the American dream was and how that was something that was supposed to be meaningful, but now chasing money or having a family, being committed to your family, that sort of a thing is derided as having something wrong with it. And I really think that that has a huge impact on depression levels and all the most vocal and emotionally outraged feminists or progressives or activists are likely the ones who are the most bitter and have to see their therapist the most and be prescribed medications for this stuff. So anyway, we can redirect and get back to this foundation. It's election day 2020. We just, we need something to stand on, you know, for people to jump from. And I really think this is it. So that's less coffee house. I, I wish you all best in your election endeavors, and I will see you on the next one. Mm-hmm.